P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a tape thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm still Brian Rodriguez. And I'm still Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, we're always ready to talk all things Philip Seymour Hoffman and beyond. How you been, Kyle? How's it been going? I've been doing pretty darn good, you know, I've been... Just, uh, I mean, all around in life and in the podcast world, so uh, not really, you know, besides just everyday complaints, no no real complaints here, so. And do you know what today is? Um, today is the 12th of March. No, the, the release date, Kyle. Maintain the re- illusion. Maintain oh, the, the illusion. illusion. Yeah, this is live right now. Remember, <laughs> remember the 15th of March. Yes. The 5th of November. The Ides of March. The Ides of March. And how appropriate that our March 1st rewatch was The Ides of March. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm sure you listened to it. You know, it, it was an interesting rewatch. It was fun. And now we're like getting into kind of the early whispers of the political season. I'm sure next March we're going to be already so sick of the elections here. So, you know. No. Um, <laughs> All, always sick of them. <laughs> I, I'm a complete ostrich when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm a complete Austrian. I'm like, huh. <laughs> huh. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but anyway, you can check out the, you know, the Ides of March right here where you're listening to us, whatever platform uh, you happen to be on. But just a reminder, those are rewatches, so you pop in the DVD, we do commentary on it, we have a good time. And these... 15ths of the month, these mid-month ones, were just time to chat, and I guess time to announce which film we'll be talking about for next month's episode. Yes. But before we get into that, you know, we like to discuss some Hoffman news always. We like to keep the PSH man in our hearts and minds always. Of course. And uh, before we got on air, you reminded me, because I this is something I like to forget. Like you said, you like to be an ostrich about the politics. I lately like to be an ostrich about the Oscars, but... The, just, yeah, the awards season in general. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, did you see the Golden Globes? And I'm like, no, I did not see the Golden Globes. It just makes me mad. But I like seeing them every once in a while because I like seeing my actors getting all liquored up. <laughs> Fair. That's the most exciting one when, it, turn, when, when yeah. it comes to like watching the crowd. Yeah. But the Oscars came up, and we have to acknowledge them because, of course, our main man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, was an Oscar winner a multiple-time nominee. Um, so, Kyle, what were your thoughts on the Oscars this year, and how do you think that relates to the legacy of Philip Seymour Hoffman? Well, um, okay, so my favorite band of all time is Queen. Rami, 
uh, Malik, I believe is the proper way to pronounce his name. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot won Best Actor. Uh, he's one of the youngest actors to have won Best Actor, believe it or not. Hmm. So he won playing the, you know, the the role of the real life rock singer Freddie Mercury. So something in common with our main man, how he won for the real life uh, author uh, Truman Capote. And I mean, in my opinion, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Capote versus Rami playing Freddie, I think PSH wins it in any kind of bout if you'd like to say but uh i wasn't a big and and capote overall is just a so much better movie than bohemian rhapsody i just had a lot of we we saw bohemian rhapsody together and i'm not i mean i've been in heated moments saying like ah it's a garbage movie it's not a garbage movie uh it's just it's you can see like at one best editing and then people will just right away were showing this one scene when they first meet up with their new manager and just like how sloppy it was edited it was just it became a fan favorite because queen is just one of the greatest if not the greatest rock band of all time and people fell in love with the music but if you're that in love with the music i say just watch the live performances watch the real live aid versus the last 10 15 minutes of bohemian rhapsody so uh clearly i'm a bit bitter <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I mean, you had also had, speaking of another real life uh, figure, you had Christian Bale uh, nominated for the role of Dick Cheney, and he, he was just, he, bo- both him and Rami transformed, but I, I just think that, uh, like, Christian Bale could should have won maybe over him, but uh, yeah. It's nothing. Nothing against Rami. I'm more, more, more against the movie and uh, and Brian May and Roger Taylor, the two members of Queen, for making a PG-13 uh, <laughs> gl- glossy version of their uh, of their band and their life. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you on a lot of what you're saying. It feels like certainly, and look. We probably sound like crotchety old men when we say this, but it feels like when Hoffman was winning Oscars, it was less about popularity and more about, like, performance. Yeah. I mean, that same year you had, then, uh, I mean, I want you had uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Johnny Cash. There's another, you know, real-life figure and, and a musician to bow. And those movies were just... Those showed like the gritty side, like Queen, like you know the the Bohemian Rhapsody. Just I mean the fact that it's freaking called Bohemian Rhapsody. Clearly they're just going after the the panache that that comes with their band, like the the most popular song of their band. I love that song. I sing it all the time at karaoke. But that doesn't mean that the, <laughs> the 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 story, the movie about them, or the story really about Freddie Mercury should be called Bohemian Rhapsody. That doesn't make sense for him. We talked about that. Plenty should be called Killer Queen or or a lyric like Mr. Fahrenheit. I don't know. <laughs> Just that's way better than Bohemian Rhapsody. If you know like what Bohemian like, it's I don't know. It just doesn't make sense towards his life. Well, he, here's my problem, and I think you'll agree. I liked Bohemian Rhapsody. It was a fun movie. But I think that the surviving members of Queen made a choice. Do we want to make an art kind of picture that's well, like... Well, two of the surviving yeah, members. Fa- okay, John Deacon really doesn't want anything to do with anything. Fair, fair, okay. Although I read he made like $75 million from this movie, so kudos 
Good for Deacon. him. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Deacon John, as he's known sometimes. Deaky. <laughs> or, or Timmy from Jurassic Park, who played him. Yeah. <laughs> Gala, Gala, Gala <laughs> Minus. I love doing that. Or, God bless you! <laughs> yeah. Those are Jurassic Park fun times. But yes, uh, I feel like they definitely made a choice. Like, do we make this art house, like, dark, gritty film? Or do we make the pop film that's going to touch more people and make a lot of money? You know? And I think they chose, yeah. let's do the more poppy, broad appeal film. And I don't blame them for that. That's their choice. And they made a lot of money, as, as you decided right there. But then why are they also getting rewarded for the art aspect of it? When, like, I feel like that was not the choice. Like, maybe you don't always have to make that compromise. Sure, there are films that do both. But I feel like they definitely made that choice. Like, let's make a movie for the masses. And then they get yeah. awarded, like, an art piece. But also, Queen made music as much as the i mean the movie is correct that they're they're a band of you know like almost like the island of misfit toys and they're all different and they attract different things but they were a band that created music for the masses and created some of the biggest hits and rock anthems of all time but at the same time the the movie shows them at least for like their first album up through uh, a night at the opera with bohemian rhapsody which i believe is their fourth album um being very creative. You know what? They make a very they make a creative movie. Tell it to me in a creative way. Don't go back to this uh biopic just standard storytelling that they made fun of in John C. Riley's Walk Hard. You know? Like, <laughs> and I'm so sick of the musical biopic. I'm so sick of it. There's like an Elton John one coming out now. And that at least that that I saw the trailer, and I mean, trailers are obviously for mar- you know marketing and getting you in the seat. But that looks there's just certain shots in it that I'm like, oh, they're just I don't know, going with some artistic, interesting stuff. And the and the one thing about that that's the same, uh, the director that ended up finishing Bohemian Rhapsody because of mm, the, I didn't uh, know that. he's he, he's he's the director of uh, the Elton John. Look, I love Elton John, and I'm yeah happy that you're saying these things. But does every every artist deserve to get one? I heard Alice Cooper the other day signed a deal to make one. Like, <laughs> what, you know? It, I feel like this has been happening on Broadway a little bit longer. And now, uh-huh. but you know, this has been happening forever. I love Coal Miner's Daughter, you know? It, yeah. It's just one of the biggest genres in film is not just biopic. It's musical biopic. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and then just going back to that year that... Philip Seymour Hoffman one. You also had David. I always can't Strathairn. Strathairn. I don't know. You know he played. He was for Good Night and Good Luck. Edward, oh, okay, Edward okay. R. Moreau. Okay. So just I mean just even that year you had three guys nominated. You know three of the five guys nominated are for real life figures, and I mean what this year you had. Um. Oh, you even had. Yeah, you had four, right? Because I think the guy, because Vigo Mortensen, the guy from Green Book, that's supposed to be a real guy, right? Oh, is it? <laughs> I, I do not follow. I'm pretty sure. At all. I mean, but the, but even then, you had Christian Bell and uh, for Dick Cheney, and you had Willem Dafoe, Vincent Van Gogh. So gotcha. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
and Bradley Cooper, just as, I mean, the fictional character, but Jackson Maine, and like I said, Viggo Mortensen for that movie Green Book. So, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't see all those movies, but I just think Christian Bale, Dick Cheney, uh, just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Sour Grapes. I don't know. So many people were disappointed with that film, though. Did you see it? Yeah, I mean, that. well, that's, yeah, that's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't even, you know, so being here in Rhapsody wasn't, uh, a great film and neither was uh oh jeez i mean vice vice yeah but i i don't know i just still thought that he did a really good job i mean you can he was definitely more transformed by makeup i mean you know you had rammy growing a mustache and then putting in the the fake teeth and he did you know from watching a lot of queen documentaries and live performances he did embody a lot of what you know, Freddy, who Freddy was and just his mannerisms. So he did do a good job. I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just more, I just feel that way also. Cause it just really had a distaste for in the end of uh, the movie. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind him winning. Honestly, I did think he did a great job. It just, it just yeah. definitely feels, feels like different than when Hoffman was winning. Yeah. And I actually, no, I will say this. I was very upset. He didn't, he like alluded to him, but, by saying, you know, the story is about, you know, a, you know, uh, a gay man, and but, but he didn't say Freddie Mercury's name in that in his speech, which just as a Freddie Mercury and Queen fan just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway, I don't want to. This is about so you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman back in the Oscars in two thousand five when he won, yeah, two thousand five, and so I mean it's been fourteen years and. He's just still, uh, just from his speech and just from that performance, and like you said back then, it just it wasn't like a pop competition. It just seems, you know, I don't know. You say that, and I and I totally totally understand. But while while you were speaking, I was like, let me look up what Philip Seymour Hoffman's Oscar speech was, and I'm not even sure. I'm reading this cold. But I, he thanked his mom. I want to see if he thanks Truman Capote, because then, hmm, we might have a little controversy here. <clears throat> wow, I'm in a category with some great, great, great actors, fantastic actors, and I'm overwhelmed. I'm really overwhelmed. I'd like to thank Bill Vince and Caroline Barron and Danny Rossette. The film wouldn't have happened without them. I'd like to thank Sarah Fargo. I'd like to thank Sarah Murphy. I'd like to thank Emily Ziff. My friends, my friends, I'd like to thank Bennett Miller and Danny Futterman. Shout out Birdcage. Okay, he didn't say that, but we've been talking about, <laughs> we've been talking about the Birdcage a lot. <laughs> Who I love, I love, I love, I love. So appreciative. What an appreciative man. You know the Van Morrison song, I love, I love, I love, and he keeps repeating it like that. And I'd like to thank Tom Bernard and Michael Barker. Thank you so much. And my mom's name is Marilyn O'Connor, and she's here tonight. And I'd like if you see her tonight to congratulate her, because she brought up four kids alone, and she deserves a congratulations for that. Ah, we're at the party, Ma, you know? Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, this is out of context. And she took me to my first play, and she stayed up with me and watched the NCAA Final Four and my passions, and her passions became my passions. And, you know, be proud, Mom, because I'm proud of you and we're here tonight, and it's so good. Thank you. Beautiful speech. And I love how he thanked Beautiful his speech, mother. Yes. But he did so not didn't mention... didn't thank Truman Capote, yeah. okay. But, yeah, but okay. But, yeah, I mean, I will fully admit, 
I have much more of an attachment to uh, <laughs> Freddie Mercury than Truman Capote, but Fair. sure, okay, so yeah. If we're he gonna, he didn't even do... say this is dedicated to a gay man, you know? Be- no. Because he also played a gay man. This is true. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah. honestly, great speech. I think we got our best thank you ever, though, last year in Sam Rockwell's speech. Ah, yes. Where he actually thanked Philip Zimmer Hoffman. So we didn't get that this year. There wasn't too many... Hoffman mentions, unfortunately. But whenever you go through like montages of Oscar winners, that the, you know they were running a lot of those, you saw Hoffman in there, and <laughs> it's funny because they liked the show that year. I think it was for Doubt that he was nominated, and he wore like the head thing, yeah, like the bandana, like the beanie, yeah, or oh, ba- yeah. It was like a, I think it was a bandana. I don't know. It was like a black. They like to show that image of him. That's I kind of think of that with him in the Oscars, and not so much the year. He, he won. Um, speaking of biopics, I wrote this down just to briefly talk about. I like to find, and I challenge you to do it as well, but I know you do it too. I like to find films that I'm like, huh, if Hoffman were alive, he would do great at this. And one recently that came out was um, a film The Rock produced. You know I'm a wrestling fan. But it's called Fighting With My Family, and it's a biopic about the real wrestler Paige and her, her story um, Stephen Merchant directed. And there's... Yeah. I, I think you've seen the trailer, probably. but um, Nick Frost plays her dad. Yeah, Nick Frost plays her dad. But in the Vince Vaughn role, I could have totally seen Hoffman. He's like kind of like the wrestling scout and like a little bit of a mentor. Yeah. And he plays... That would have been... Yeah, I like that. And he plays it in like an understated way. We know Hoffman was a big sports fan. We know he was like a high school wrestler. I think he was like too old to actually play a wrestler at this point, theoretically, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously we're yeah. being hypothetical. But I would have loved to seen him like as like a kind of scout slash former wrestler, you know? And I just thought that that was just like a quick thing. I'm like, hmm. I could see Hoffman doing that. I could, I could definitely see him in a role. I just yeah, you know, I mean besides these I'm trying to think of other Movies that have been... Well, when they come up, you'll remember, I'm sure. I'll remember, We're yeah. doing this That's every month. Be... Exactly. <laughs> now, before we uh, announce, you know, the winners of our big Hoff fan vote for what will be the April 1st film, um, I did make another note of something to discuss, and it was an interview with Anna Paquin. And I read it on Entertainment Weekly, but it seems like it was also on People Magazine, Maybe they're affiliated. Oh, okay. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, it was People's, People's TV or People TV. Like, it was a... You know how they transcribe their, like, video interviews? Sure, yeah, yeah. And she was saying how, like, one of her goals as a child was to work with Spike Lee, and she got to do that on 25th Hour with yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Man. Yeah, yeah, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Spike Lee also nominated this year for Best Actor. Yeah, and I, mean, I, th- I think that's director, how the... Best yeah, Best Director. And I think <laughs> Best Actor do the right thing, like that Spike yeah, Lee. Exactly. <laughs> Mookie. <laughs> no, and um, she mentions also working with Hoffman so young and so in awe, but she's... And I, I thought this fact was kind of funny. She said the weirdest thing was she kept looking at Hoffman for direction instead of Spike Lee because... Her first, like, serious stage role was in a play directed by Hoffman when she was even younger than that. Oh. (laughs) So on set, she was so used to, like, looking to Hoffman for 
direction that like in the scene she would ask him instead of instead of Spike Lee, which I thought was which I thought was funny. I always like to hear like little. I wonder Hoffman if stories Hoffman like suggested her to Spike Lee. Oh, maybe you know you know like if know. he was attached to the project earlier than she was. And of course, he plays like her teacher, and it gets weird. But yes, you know that's a movie I either I hadn't seen or I wasn't too familiar with until we did the podcast and I saw and I really, really liked and that's when I could not wait to watch again. Yes, definitely something we'll uh, give for you guys to vote on eventually. Yeah. At the, Maybe that'll be for back to school. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it could have been... Uh, well, let's see. We sprang forward. So did we lose an hour? We lo- Yeah. So maybe for like the other daylight savings. Yeah, where we gain an hour from the yeah. <laughs> that, What a lame tie-in. But you know what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, never, <laughs> you never know. Um, any other uh, Hoffman things you want to share before we, before we uh, no, do the No, I, I think let's just uh, let these guys know how their voting went. So, of course, we had two films on the ballot. And just a refresher, the first one was Moneyball. And Kyle, in a, in a couple sentences, why did we pick Moneyball? Well, Moneyball, because this is the film for April, and April, of course, is the beginning of uh, baseball, and uh, so yeah, and it's just a fantastic uh, role of his, actually, the, what was that, the uh, second collaboration with uh, Bennett Miller? Oh yeah, we just mentioned Bennett Miller, you know, the director of Capote, of course. Director of Capote. A small role, but just somewhere that, like, you can... Yet again, I mean, this is after he won an Oscar and is, you know, a household name, and he is top build in it, but a smaller role, another another real-life uh, figure. Uh, but you get to appreciate him and what he can do with just a, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of role that uh, you just, I don't know, you just get to see a master of his craft at his work. Yeah. And we mentioned... Um... Dan Futterman's name before in the speech, so just a refresher, Bennett Miller, Dan Futterman, and Philip Seymour Hoffman are, like, childhood friends. They went to, like, theater camps together. Um, you know what I was thinking of, though? Well, as you mentioned that, I've been watching the new trailers for that show, Bro- Brockmire, with Hank Azaria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not caught up on that show, but it seems like a show I'd really, really enjoy. I, I definitely want to check it out, but apparently he got, like, promoted... On IFC, right? Yeah, IFC. Apparently he got promoted to be Oakland's um, announcer. And it's not really the A's, but, you know, it's, like, supposed to be the Oakland A's. Sure. So, and you know, and this movie is about the A's, but you know what I was thinking about? Dan Futterman is in the birdcage with Hank Azaria, yeah. and he's mostly naked. And they don't share a scene, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is in Along Came Polly, and Hank Azaria is mostly naked in that film, too. <laughs> I think Hank Azaria is just mostly naked. <laughs> Probably. We'll see if he's in the Mad About You. Uh, oh, oh, that that's going to be... It's going to be interesting. With his, with his ex-wife. <laughs> and the other film that was on the ballot this month was State and Maine. Yeah. Which is just, uh, you know, so... Uh, we had... Moneyball and the small role, smaller role of Art Howe after Philip Seymour Hoffman is very established and an Academy Award-winning actor, and then you have State in Maine, one of his first leading roles in just a fun movie in the sense that it's about the film industry. So just felt like a good uh, film to have, you know, as the, as the second option. Yeah, and I think 
both these films are films that I'm going to look forward to watching. I think both are going to reappear on the ballot at some point. Well, The Loser, you know, will reappear on the ballot. Yes. So, uh, <clears throat> here goes. I'm going to tally up the votes quickly, though it should be fast. So we have our winner, Kyle. Are, are you ready? Are you ready to find out which one won? I am ready. Well, get ready for, you know, the smell of fresh cut grass, the, you know, that electricity in the air. Ah, oh, there's nothing like... Uh, yeah, the... New Hampshire's like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there's nothing like the first day of baseball season. Ah, take me out to the ball game. Our winner is Moneyball. So April 1st nice. will be the first day of our baseball season because that'll be our commentary on rewatch. You guys definitely want to check it out. I'm going to have fun rewatching that film. You know I love that film. I know you really like that film too. Like you said, not, yeah. not a big Hoffman role, but an important Hoffman role. And I'm uh it's just very interesting cuz as I said in the rewatch of Ides of March, Brad Pitt was almost Philip Seymour Hoffman's role in that. So now we get Brad Pitt in Moneyball. So good, so good. And these films kind of came out back to back, so I suppose it's appropriate. Uh, I mean, Ides of March and Moneyball. So I suppose it's appropriate that uh, we kind of do them back to back here. Yeah, I like it. I'm into it. Good job, Hoffman. <laughs> so April 1st. And don't worry, State and Maine fans, like I kind of alluded to, we're going to put that back on the ballot soon. That was. You really knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle, it's been, uh, as you uh, mentioned kind of at the beginning of the podcast, it's been a. Big month for foodie films. And this week you had a pretty awesome guest and a pretty awesome episode. Why don't you tell the Hoff fans about it, just in case they're, they're not foodie fans too, which is, would be really, really stupid. But just in case, Well, let yes, know. so I hope you guys are uh, supporting and listening and have moved from not just being Hoff fans, but you also are foodie fans. And uh, what, do you have a name for your, your listeners? Slumberers? Yeah, I say Slumberers. Like? slumbers uh but yes so foodie films has been uh i've got some exciting stuff happening as i've said before we have a youtube channel and so definitely check out our most recent video where we visited uh lafrida meat purveyors and pat lafrida jr gave me a tour an unexpected tour so i'm been filming these with my iphone you know does, does the trick but hopefully we can start producing with some uh, better cameras, getting you some video content. But, as Brian said, a very, very special episode came out uh, this uh, past Wednesday. What date would that be? That would be the... Uh... Oh, it was this past Wednesday. You're listening. It was this past Wednesday. And so I had Pat LaFrida Jr., the man that gave me the tour, and he is the CEO of LaFrida Meat Purveyors, and it was a great episode. We kind of went we, we didn't do the traditional my episode style where we start off by talking food in general highlight a food centric movie a food famous food scene and then the gut instinct segment we just i just wanted to ask him so many questions we just had such a great conversation and then we did talk to famous food scenes so you'll have to listen to the episode to find out those but one's like a serious one one's a silly one and just overall it was a great episode where i'm really i'm really digging talking to People in general, like all my guests on Foodie Films, but these guys that are professionals in the food industry, they're just shining a light and just helping me learn more. And obviously, I would think the listeners more as well. And that's really what I talked to Pat about. I wanted to hear just what he, just his 
whole vast knowledge on it all and misconceptions. And that's what I really want foodie films to turn into. I want it to become a place where if you want to learn about food and obviously I love film. So how it is highlighted in film as well, like this is the place you come for it. So it's just been a treat and I hope it's been a treat for you guys and please check it out. Please keep checking it out. Pat LaFrida is like a huge meat guy, right? Like he provides. Yes, he is. Sorry. His company provides to over 1500 restaurants from like all over New York city to the Midwest, all the way out to Vegas uh he's top just, chefs too right yes top chefs i mean it, it's just do yourself a favor and not only you know after you listen to the episode go on to his website and they have some uh great like videos and articles to read and learn about their company it's just a fantastic company and their and their their meat is just i i've never had any any better meat before in my life and so that was just as a fan i want of, of his product i wanted to talk to him and he was such a great guy and just he didn't have to you know this is one of those things where he didn't have to uh come onto the podcast he's a very busy guy and he's just been great and uh one of the future episodes he recommended one of his best friends a chef and i recorded that episode already and that's a tremendous episode so just a lot of great things happening with foodie films and uh, I've loved every episode thus far, but these episodes, I've kind of labeled them, they're called uh, First Cut, and then I give the guest name after the colon there. So they're just, they're their own little special episodes that I hope to continue making those, and you guys continue listening. Yeah, and um, I was, you know, we were talking off air, and pretty much if there's a Shake Shack in your town, and you've eaten at Shake Shack, you've had some Pat LaFrida meat. Yeah, there's a great he, uh, him and Danny Meyer, the uh, owner of Shake Shack, they uh, became friends, and th- that's what Danny Meyer wanted Lafrida meat, and it's just some interesting stuff. And actually, I a little sh- did a Brian helped me out with uh, some questions. I was you know I was like wow I got Pat Lafrida because got honestly because sure I, I had questions because you did have questions and I and I you gave me multiple questions but I specifically uh, did a shout out to you in high school slumber party and made made it known to Pat specifically that you were asking about how uh, you know Lafrida meets and their involvement in uh, City Field since Brian is a huge uh, Mets fan uh, how that came to be so he answers that and much much more so please check out the episode for all these amazing facts and as you said I'm a Mets fan I'm a baseball fan so I'm looking forward to talking about Moneyball too (laughs) (laughs) and then my other show of course is High School Slumber Party we've been having a great time at the Slumber Party and of course High School Slumber Party is a podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films and kyle of course you've been on a bunch you're actually on the episode for today yes and today's episode is a film that the godfather of this podcast network himself picked as his second favorite movie of the year and his favorite movie that didn't star a bear that enjoyed marmalade it it was (laughs) wait that was his that was his favorite movie of the year paddington Paddington 2 was his number one movie of 2018 and trust me i love paddington 2 but that is a ballsy pick ladies listen to go find that cuddly bear himself jerry lewandowski (laughs) and just hibernate with him paddington 2 eat some marmalade his number one choice yeah, exactly. <laughs> schmear, schmear some marmalade all over one another. Look at that, listen to that. Listen to that. Just lovely, 
lovely man and his just I, I just he's a man what with a, a big a, heart he's a man with a big yeah heart. he's a man with a big heart yeah he's i mean he's the godfather he's uh you know doing right by us and so uh it, yeah. it's a really good movie um uh, but again to make that your top pick and you like pretty much are one of the people or if not the person who runs the podcast network of all these film podcasts and that's your number one film i'm not saying he's wrong but that is a that is a pick that's going to get people talking, you know? Oh, yes. But his second pick is the film um, I did on two days, High School Slumber Party, and that's Assassination Nation. Have you seen it, Kyle? I have not. <laughs> um, it, some people have actually told me specifically that it's a movie that you might not enjoy, but it's a very polarizing People film. told <laughs> you that I wouldn't enjoy it? That they wouldn't be sure that you'd enjoy it because it's a very polarizing film. I I don't want to get talked about because so <laughs> you're popular, Kyle. You're popular I, for being unpopular. I guess. No, no. I think you're popular for having a strong opinion. Yeah, for being outspoken, for being our, you know. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. But it was a film that I think premiered at either Sundance or South by Southwest that did well there. Um, it didn't make too much money in the theaters. A very in-your-face film, and it's basically. It it turns into a bit of a slasher, but it's a high school film, really about like social media. Okay, Kyle, I'll put it this way: Imagine if a hacker found everything that you've ever put on the internet and, and in your phone. You know, I'd have to move. <laughs> this film is about a town where a hacker starts releasing all these people's information, and it turns into anarchy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a very uncomfortable watch but honestly i thought it was a very good film but you can definitely watch that film or check it out on high school slumber party but we're doing a ton of fun stuff we we, we got some good guests coming up we had some good guests before just went to the movies with a guy you know well mike manzi we saw the film hackers oh yeah Alamo Draft House. with mike manzi to see captain marvel cool very cool um yeah. we'll be talking about hackers later this month uh, you can check both our shows out, though, on cageclub.me or wherever you're listening to this podcast today. So iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And guys, I say it on my show, Kyle, I know you say it on yours, but the best thing you can do, really, to help us out and help us spread the memory and legacy of Philip Summer Hoffman is by rating us on iTunes, writing a review telling a friend, interacting with us on social media. Let's make this an interactive experience, right? I'm into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's keep it going. Anything else you want to say, Kyle, before we uh, say goodbye? No, I'm just I'm very much looking forward to talking Moneyball and for baseball season in general, so uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's play ball. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Is that how we're going to end? Or Let's just end the old-fashioned way, Kyle. Bring me some peanuts and crackers. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, stay on cool, because clearly that's what's what I do. <laughs> stay on cool. Very uncool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Sex a thing, sex a thing, you, I believe.